Amen. How you doing? How's your week been? Come on, be honest. Mine, uh, mine started out well. Monday and Tuesday started out well, and then uh, the rest of my week got crazy, particularly on Wednesday as I uh, fell to an internet scam hack and uh, spent about six hours of my week at the uh, computer store and online and uh, was so, I'll just say mad, uh, that I fell for this pop-up on my computer. I felt like such a dunce. And uh, you, know, you all know what a pain it is to call your bank, to call the credit cards, to change everything because you're fearful for your security. And on this, how many times have I done all my automated stuff and have to call and change the credit card number yet again? And uh, I woke up on Thursday morning about 4.30 just with this, this sick, feeling in my stomach. You know, a lot of people talk about how you're, you, when your home's burglarized or something, you just have this nasty feeling after that happens. And I, I woke up on, at 4.30 on Thursday and I just had this pit in my stomach. And then I was also beating myself up because you idiot, how could you, how could you fall for this? And, and it just crashed my week. And uh, I know some of you have had weeks and are in seasons like that as well. You know, we, we live in a pretty good place. We live in pretty easy times comparatively and compared to other parts of the world. One of, uh, some of our team, some of our uh, members are going to be down in Haiti in a few weeks, and they're going to see people that have hard lives. They're going to see places that are difficult to live, and those, those trips are a good perspective giver for those that go because it kind of realigns your expectations and our whining and our complaining, right? But that said... <clears throat> Not to minimize or uh, just throw it off and say that life is easy here because some of us, I know, uh, there's tough things. There's hard things. There's brokenness and there's things that have been weighing on you and worrying you this week. You dropped your son or daughter off to college. Your loved one's been in the hospital and it's been a terrible experience. You're worried about your kids. You're tired of your kids. You're annoyed with your kids. Your dad died and you miss him. You're out of work. Your husband left you. You have unresolved, you have some tension relationally. You're concerned about your grown children's faith. You're a mom of young children. Enough said. It's hard. You're exhausted with work. You've been away from your family too much. You've neglected some relationships. Your marriage has grown cold. You're trying to sell your house. You're tired of your job and you're wondering, God, do you have something else for me? You're financially strapped and you're just spiritually dry. And those are not things that I made up. Those are things that I've heard within the last seven or 10 days. Life in Haiti is tough. Life in Collin County is tough. It's a broken world. And Thursday, I, th Thursday, as I sat in a meeting, my phone lit up with a push notification that said 13 dead and 30 injured as a terrorist drives a car through a group of tourists in Barcelona. The world's broken. The world's messed up. And in the hurry and scurry of life and getting kids back to school and starting uh, a new semester, there are weighty things, there are divisions, 
within our country, there are headlines, there are terrorism, there's racism. And in a world of bad news, we need good news, don't we? We need some good news. And this morning, as we open our Bibles back to the book of Romans to continue our study of Romans, we find some good news. We find some great news in Romans chapter 8. So join me there. This is officially part 13 of our 24-part series through Paul's letter uh, to the Romans, okay? Romans chapter 8, we're going to try to rush through 13 verses this morning. We're going to spend three weeks on chapter 8, and uh, some of you will want to study along or do extended study in addition to this, maybe with your community group or just one-on-one in your devotion time, whatever. We have a study guide. This is on our resource page as well. If you go to Centennial Church backslash Romans, okay, you can find some resources for this study, but this is a study guide for the second half of Romans uh, written by a pastor named Tim Keller, and so I encourage you, if you want to do that, uh, As a part of your community group, I've actually given you some discussion questions on our CC app. If you go to our CC app under sermons for today's sermon, there's some some questions to help you go deeper in the Bible, and there's also some questions for you to discuss as a community group to help you go deeper personally and interpersonally with one another as you kind of chew on, digest, and and apply the truth here of Romans chapter 8. So I just want to remind you of that. Okay, as you open up to Romans chapter 8, and uh, Romans has 16 chapters, uh, chapter 8 is right here in the middle of it, and uh, amazing, beautiful, good news bookends in chapter 8, okay? Look with me just quickly, uh, verse 1, and compare it with verse 38 and 39, okay? Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Amen. Flip over to verse 38 and 39 and look at how this chapter concludes with this good news. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good news. This chapter, this wonderful kind of climax of Romans right here in the middle, begins, verse 1, with no condemnation and ends, verse 39, no separation. No condemnation, no separation. And our passage here this morning, as we look at all 13 verses, we basically see that we, we have a new position in Christ and we have a new power through the Holy Spirit. Or you might say it like this, we have the promise of God and we have the presence of God. The promise of God that we're no longer condemned and the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, our new position in Christ. And that's right there that we just read in verse 1, our new position in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is here a qualifier as well as the extent. What's the qualifier? No condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you'll remember, this has been months ago now, okay, but if you're familiar with the book of Romans, back in chapter 5, Paul has made this comparison between two families, two humanities, if you will, and one is the humanity that belongs, that comes from Adam, 
And everyone sitting in this room and everyone alive today is either in one of two families. And you're in the, either in the family of Adam, you are in Adam, you're born in Adam. But if you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you are transferred into a new humanity. You become a part of the family of God. You are in Christ. So that preposition there is really important. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The bad news is there is condemnation. There is judgment apart from God's grace and apart from God's mercy. But if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can live apart from guilt and apart from condemnation. Now, I don't mean to say that you can live apart from conviction because if the Holy Spirit is real in your life, you will, you will sense the conviction of God, but you will never face the condemnation of God. Because what has happened in Christ is that your judgment day has been transferred, has been moved from the future to the past. Your judgment day has moved from the future to the past. You were judged in Christ. When Christ hung on the cross, he took your sins. He took your punishment. And so your judgment happened in Christ. You've been judged. And now you await the return of Jesus for a kingdom that to come that will have none of this mess that we dealt with last week or none of this mess that we face nationally or politically worldwide. But you can walk in the freedom of forgiveness. The freedom of forgiveness. Because you know what? Many of us walk around in guilt. Many of us walk around sensing condemnation from others, condemnation perhaps from ourselves. And what a great relief to know that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are guilt-free. You are no longer condemned. I'll never forget uh, the first year I took high school kids to camp. I worked with high school kids for about five years. And uh, one night as we were doing kind of our cabin time after one of the talks, uh, uh, one of the teenagers, I'll call him Peter, uh, Peter was definitely a rebel. He was uh, at 16 or 17, uh, smoking a lot of pot, making a lot of wrong choices, and uh, very far from God. As we had listened to the message that night, and that night, uh, the message that night was about pain. It's about, it was about the pain in the world and the pain in our hearts. And, and Peter shared the condemnation that he felt in his heart because he knew he was doing wrong, but he also uh, had had that emphasized even in the church going home that he grew up in. Just a couple of weeks before we had left the camp, Peter had gone out, he had partied that night, he had come home drunk, much to his parents' dismay. They told him to go to bed, but in the morning when you wake up, you're going to church with us. Well, of course he overslept, of course he didn't wake up, and he told this story through tears that uh, his mom came into the room that Sunday morning, hoping that he would be up, thinking that he was still asleep, but he could hear what she said. She looked into the room, she looked at him, and she grabbed the door, she walked out, and said, what a worthless piece of crap. Except she didn't say crap. Condemnation. You've felt it from others. You, probably, you may feel it internally. The great news of the gospel is that if you trust in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for you you are forgiven. God has taken your guilt and he has placed it on Jesus and all of your sins, past, present, and future are gone. You can walk in a new freedom 
in actually a new life by the Spirit. Guilt is gone. Condemnation is gone. One psychologist said this. He said, I could empty 70% of psychiatric beds if I could get people to believe four words. Your sins are forgiven. Do you carry guilt this morning? Many of us do. Many of you walk in here to even a church experience uh, and just plead with God, God, forgive me. But folks, if you have trusted in Jesus, all that guilt that you carry is gone. Let it go. You don't have to do God penance. He has forgiven you. He has nailed it to the cross and you walk totally free. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. You are now, by faith, a brother of Jesus, a son of God. And he will never condemn you. He will not judge you in the end. He will forgive you and say, come into my kingdom, son or daughter. There is no sin that you keep mulling over in your mind that is greater than the blood of Jesus. There is nothing that you have done that is so bad that it is worse than the extent of God's grace. And unfortunately, Christians uh, can be known as judgmental, condemning people, and there is truth, there is right, and there is wrong. But when you come to Jesus, it's a start over, and everything in your past sin, past, present, and future, has been put on Jesus, and you can now walk in freedom. And I want you to have that freedom this morning. No matter what's happened in the last week, no matter what's happened in years past, to walk in the freedom of forgiveness in Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's a doctrine that we teach here at Centennial Church called the doctrine of eternal security. Basically what we're saying is that there is nothing you can do to lose your salvation. There's no sin so bad that God is going to kick you out of the family. And this, verse 1 as well as verses 37, 38, 39 are some of the primary texts that show us that, that in Christ, you're safe, you're secure in a world that is so insecure, in a world where relationships fade quickly and seem to be contractual rather than covenant, you are totally safe in a relationship with Jesus. As your child is born into your family, your relationship with them through the years may wane and may ebb and flow, but they will never cease to be your son or daughter. And your relationship with God may ebb and flow, it may grow, it may fluctuate, there may be dry seasons, but there is nothing you can do to be kicked out of God's family. Disciplined, convicted, yes. Condemned, never. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's going to go on in verses 2 and following and explain not only do we have a new position in Christ, but we also have new power because of the Holy Spirit. So we see our new position in Christ as well as our new power in the Holy Spirit. He goes on to explain here verses uh, 2 through 4. Follow along with me. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. 
He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what is Paul saying here? You're no longer condemned. And you're condemned because God has condemned in the flesh Jesus by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. As I just said, your, your, your judgment was placed upon Jesus. And notice how he describes Jesus coming. It's in the likeness of sinful flesh. He doesn't just say it's in the likeness because that uh, would be like one ancient heresy said. It was the ancient heresy of docetism that meant that when Jesus came, he just appeared like a man. He wasn't really human. He was like a human, but he wasn't truly human. But Paul's very careful here to say that when Jesus came, he appeared in the likeness, not of flesh, but of sinful flesh. And he wasn't sinful, but he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, fully human, but without sin. He never sinned. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he took the punishment for sinners upon himself. Verse 2, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans chapter 8 comes after Romans chapter 7. And if you remember months ago uh, in chapter 7, what the main focus of chapter 7 was that you have this law, Paul and other Jewish people, they had this law that, that told them the commandments, that told them uh, the righteous way to live. But the problem with the law is not really a problem with the law, it's a problem with the flesh. That you can know exactly what's right and wrong, but you don't have the power within you to change. And so the law brings uh, a mirror to, you, to your life. The law shows you your fault, but it's powerless to change your heart. But the law of the Spirit, and by law here, he doesn't mean commandments, he means principle or rule. The law of the Spirit is now that you are in Christ Jesus. You not only have forgiveness, but you have the presence of God in you. That's the Holy Spirit, the power of Holy Spirit dwelling within you. So now you can walk in accordance with the law according to the Spirit. And he actually says in a surprising way here in verse 4, the law can be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. As we follow the Spirit of God, we follow what the Spirit wants and not what our natural sinful tendencies are. That's what Paul means here by the flesh. Is that kind of natural man. He uh, explains expounds on this in uh, verses 5 through 8. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, according to kind of your natural instincts, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And what he's saying in verses 5 through 8 is that you have this choice now. You still have your, your natural tendencies, your, your fleshly nature, but you also now have this spirit the very third person of the Trinity who indwells believers to empower us to do 
what we can't do in our own strength. So within me this week, there was this battle going on between my flesh and between the Spirit of God within me. Turn, if you want to, to Galatians chapter 5, where Paul also says this kind of a parallel passage. But Galatians chapter 5, uh, beginning of verse 16, he describes it this way. He says, walk by the Spirit that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in accordance with the Spirit, with how he's prompting you, with what he's revealed. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Do you feel that inside you if you know Jesus? These warring desires, this battle that's raging in you, the battle of the flesh and the battle of the Spirit, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And he goes on to talk about the evidences of walking in the flesh, walking according to the old nature, to the sinful nature. One of the key repeated terms here in these verses, particularly verses 5 through 8, is setting your mind. Is your mind set on the flesh was your mind set on the things of the Spirit? Is your mind on the Spirit or is your mind on the natural way? Mindset, mindset over and over. When he says mind, it's interpreted minds, translated mind here, it's, it's, it's better to really think about that as mindset. What's your mindset? Is it on the Spirit or is it on the flesh? Because this battle within us begins and is key in our mind. In our mindset, what we set our minds on, what we're fixed upon, what continually comes back to our minds. I, I said last week that one uh, theologian, he has said, your, your God is what you do with your solitude. Your true God is what you do with your solitude. What comes to your mind when you're just daydreaming? And is it fleshly things or is it spiritual things? And the Holy Spirit comes in our life at salvation to guide us, remind us of the truth, and empower us to live a godly life through his power. The third person of the Trinity in your heart. It's not that God has just forgiven you and kind of wiped the slate clean and said, now go and try harder. That's not the the extent of the good news, the, the good news is not only have I forgiven you, but I'm indwelling you by the Holy Spirit so that now that you have the power to do what you could not do before. And we talk about the Holy Spirit. We've only seen Holy Spirit mentioned in Romans one previous time, I believe, in Romans chapter 5. And guess how many times we read about the Holy Spirit in chapter 18? Well, actually, that's your homework, okay, on the discussion questions I give you. Holy Spirit, over and over and over, and here we see... In these verses too, set your minds on the Spirit. Because the third person of the Trinity is living inside you here, not so that you walk alone, but so that you walk with God guiding you. So let me ask you the question. What's your mind been set on the last seven days? What, do you, what have you been listening to the most? Just as you think about your time, whether you're in the car or whether you're, you're at work, what are you listening to most? Uh, is, it, is it NPR? Uh, is it the ticket? 
Is it George Strait? Hopefully. Is it, is it talk radio? Is it, is it politics? Uh, is it, is it uh, someone that you're talking to at work? Uh, is it what, what playlist? What, what is it that you're listening to the most? Now just think about that right now. Because let me tell you this, all of your answers are wrong. But what you're listening to the most, what I've listened to the most is none of those things. What I've listened to the most the last week is myself. You know that? It's what I tell myself that has most power upon me. It's the messages, it's those tapes that keep playing. Sorry, old, old reference there, tapes. Uh, it's those tapes and it's those lies that you are the most powerful speaker in your life because you're listening to yourself more than you're listening to talk radio, more than you're listening to sports radio or whoever is on the radio. The person that you listen to the most, your mindset is on what you're telling yourself. And folks, our, our minds are sieves. I mean, they every morning, even I, I wake up and my feet hit the floor and I'm not just praising Jesus. I, unfortunately, it's those lies that when I hit my feet hit the floor, I have to fight against those messages. I've told you, some of you before, that dementia uh, runs in my family. Genetically, dementia runs in my family. The Bible would say spiritually, it's an awful disease, an awful thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Bible would say that all of us have spiritual dementia. We forget. We have to continually, through the word of God, realign our minds, our mindset on the spirit Otherwise, we revert back to those messages, to those lies, to that, to that condemnation. And that's one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is he's transforming our mind through the truth of God's word. Holy Spirit. Now there's two, unfortunately, there's two basic camps uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Too often they, there's the, what I call the charismaniacs, that they're talking about the Holy Spirit just all the time and maybe they're falling out on the floor and doing crazy things. And then the, unfortunately, there's another camp and these are the extremes that we, they just don't mention the Holy Spirit. And I would say both of those are, are wrong ways to think about Holy Spirit. If you read chapter eight of Romans, you find Holy Spirit over and over again. And folks, the truth that even those of us that are maybe scared of the charismaniacs some, some of us aren't even strong enough to even mention Holy Spirit's name. It's like, oh, I don't know about that. That's, that's a weird stuff. But the Holy Spirit is the gift that God has given us to empower us to walk in the life of Jesus and be reminded of his truth. We don't need to get all crazy and ecstatic with Holy Spirit, but we also don't need to ignore Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is, is the person, our comforter, the spirit of life, the spirit of peace, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, all these names for Holy Spirit. And he is a gift given to us to give us a new power. Because of the Holy Spirit, you have a new power to break free from the sins of the past and live in victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we're gonna spend the next two weeks as we go through Romans chapter eight and there'll be more on the Holy Spirit but one of the, the battleground for the Spirit 
is our heart and mind. And what our mind is formed by, what our mind is set on. What's your mind set on? He says, verse 9, going on here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. The spirit of God is not just a, a superpower. It's not just the spirit of God is not just energy, but the, the spirit of God dwells in you. And then he goes on to clarify, anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. If you don't have the evidence of the internal power and presence of the spirit convicting you and leading you, challenging you, comforting you, if you don't have the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, the scriptures say, according to verse 9, you did not belong to God. But if Christ is in you, and it's called the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And verse 11 goes on to explain that if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, again, that idea of him living, residing in us, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your, model, to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Three times there, the Spirit who dwells in you. And the argument of verse 11 is that if the spirit of Jesus is, power, is powerful enough to raise him from the dead, that's the kind of power the spirit has to bring the Savior from dead to living. And that is the same spirit that lives in you and me. A power to break through chains, a power to transform that old messages and those lies into a message that is set on the Spirit. We can't do it by ourselves, but we can through Holy Spirit. He will give life to your mortal bodies. And I think what Paul's saying there is, is, is two things. He's talking about both resurrection, when the Spirit will resurrect our bodies at the end times, but he's also, talk, but he's also talking about how the Spirit will empower our lives now. He will empower our bodies to live spiritually in the power of the Spirit. Verse 12, so then, brothers, we are debtors. Here's where he's going to turn it and, and get it practical, uh, verses 12 and 13. He says, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That verse 13 there is, is commonly called back in the King James Version, the mortification of, of sin. The mortification of sin is how the Spirit works with our cooperation to put to death the old deeds of the flesh. There is this battle inside us and the Spirit empowers us to kill that sin that remains in our sinful nature to crucify, to mortify the desires of the flesh. Now, that's a progressive, a progressive growth. That doesn't happen in an, in an instant at conversion, but the rest of the Christian life, Philippians says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The Holy Spirit, through the rest of our lives, is transforming us into the image of Jesus by the Spirit. So we're debtors 
to Christ. We're debtors to the Spirit. We don't want to pay back our flesh. We, want to, we don't want to pay back and live for the flesh. We want to pay back and live the Spirit, not to earn salvation, but to receive His power. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you two questions this morning in conclusion. Question number one is, are you in Christ? Because that's what all this hinges on. Are you in Christ? If you are in Christ, you are forgiven. Don't let the sin of your past weigh you down anymore. Christ has forgiven you. You are guilt-free in Jesus. But if you are not in Christ, you are carrying around guilt because you are guilty. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if, if you just think coming to church and singing songs and listening to a guy talk at you for a while is kind of the religious medicine you need, I encourage you, that is not the gospel. The gospel is lay all your sin, all your burdens, all your weights down at the feet of Jesus and let him forgive you and get up and walk up in the freedom of forgiveness. So if it, just because you are here this morning does not make you a Christian, any more than the old adage says, being in church doesn't make you a Christian, any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car, Right? You have to trust in Jesus. So I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you are sitting here and you have never understood the gospel. And the gospel is not try harder. The gospel is not go to church more. The gospel is put your sin. Let Jesus take your sin and you receive his salvation. And walk out for the forgiveness and grace of Jesus. If you have never heard that message, if you've never appropriated that message, I just want to beg you in the next minute to just bow your head and say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Holy Spirit, come in my heart and begin a renovation, begin a remodel, begin a transformation in me. Because it's as you embrace Jesus, you get that power to live for Jesus with a strength that you didn't have before. Finally, not only are you in Christ, but what's your mindset on? Where does your mind drift to? And folks, the way to reset your mind is through God's word. And that's why as a church family, we have all these opportunities for you to hear the word of God and to, to study the word of God just this week. And it happens almost every week at our men's Bible studies. I hear someone say, you know, I didn't want to get here this morning, but I'm so glad I came. You know why? Because we, are, we, we have dementia. My mind is a sieve. It, it leaks. And I just want to beg you through our men's Bible studies twice a week or through our ladies' Bible studies that will, that will start up here after school gets going or through our ABF, we have a Bible class that meets for adults at 9 o'clock every week. They're going through this new city catechism, training our minds to think right, to walk in the spirit of truth. Our community groups, get in a place where brothers and sisters can teach you the word of God and that your mind can be transformed and you can walk in the power of the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father God, I come to you this morning and uh, life's hard. We get distracted. We get weighed down. We need, God, so much. We need power, supernatural power and your presence that we just don't have in ourselves. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would comfort every heart in this room. I pray that you would empower us. I pray that 
Holy Spirit, your, your power will be felt and noticed and, and yielded to and obeyed as we go out of here this week. And God, I pray that if there's any person in this room who, whose heart just now understands the grace of Jesus in the cross, that they would, just in the quietness of their own heart, ask you to save them. And Father, we just confess that our minds just run amok, that there are so many messages and so much trash that we're exposed to and so much that we have to do that our mindset is often just on the flesh and on the things of this earth. And we pray, God, that we would fill our minds and yield to the Spirit in truth. Make us people of the Word, people of the Spirit. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray.